Hello and welcome to Building Brand You, the show where we help you to accelerate your success, getting you more clients, more revenue, more business and more opportunities by unlocking your greatest asset, you. My name is Kim Hamer and I'm an international business coach and serial entrepreneur. This podcast is designed for you to help you unlock what you already have and to give you a whole host of tools and techniques that can help you to accelerate your success by building your own brand you. Hello everyone and welcome to this special feature length episode of Building Brand You. Today I am delighted to welcome my special guest Christine McKay. Christine is a business negotiation strategist, an international speaker, the host of In The Ven Zone podcast, and the author of Why Not Ask, a conversation about getting more. Born and raised in rural Montana, Christine was formerly homeless, a single mum, and on welfare for nearly a decade. She negotiated a different life for herself and her kids and ultimately earned her MBA from Harvard University. Christine is the CEO and founder of Venn Negotiation, and she has negotiated with more than half of the Fortune 100 companies, as well as hundreds of small and mid-sized companies across more than 50 countries. Christine loves helping people to ask for more of what they want and showing them how to get it. Her mission is to reduce business failure rates by helping people to elevate their negotiation skills. Christine's been married to the love of her life for almost 30 years and is the proud mum of three grown children and two fur babies, aka dogs. I hope you enjoy my conversation with the wonderful Christine McKay. Hello, Christine. How are you today? Oh, Kim, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an awesome thing to see you. You're oh, just so great. Thank you. How yeah, I mean, I love how you COVID. and I just kind of like, it's like we don't talk for a long time and then we connect and it's like, we ne- we just pick up right where we left off. I love that about us. <laughs> yeah, it is amazing. It's, um, it's, it's awesome to think we met once and we've just developed this relationship over COVID and we still haven't seen each other. So it's, it's exactly. so brilliant um, to see you and have you on Building Brand New. So thanks for agreeing to share your wealth of knowledge with us. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> Pleasure. So Christine, where I like to start uh, with Building Brand New guests is to sort of hand the mic over to you to share with listeners about you. Who's Christine? What are you about? Well, thank you for uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share that. Um, yeah, I, I at the end at the core, I'm just a little country girl, I guess. Um, I grew up in uh, North Central Montana on a big ranch. Um, for for people in the audience who have ever heard of the American old old Western American show called Bonanza. I lived that life. Um, My dad was the ranch foreman. My mom was a ranch cook. And I used to ring the dinner bell so the cowboys would come out of the bunkhouse to come in for dinner. And uh, and that was the the life I I lived. I had a really successful career in high school, um, but kind of life fell apart for me when I... um, 
turned 18. Um, and I, when I, well, it started to unravel at 18. And then when I was 19, I discovered I was pregnant and I lost my job and got evicted from my house and started living in the back of my car um, with my cat, Athena, and thought I needed to be rescued. So I found a guy who was more than willing to do that. And I abdicated my decision-making authority over to him. And uh, he kind of sucked at making his own decision decisions, let alone doing mine. Um, and we couldn't, I had two more kids. So I had three kids at 22 and uh, we couldn't afford to buy our groceries. So I was doing grocery shopping at a local food bank, boiling water on the stove to give my kids baths. And there were times when I went through the garbage to be able to get soda cans to exchange for gas in our car. And one day I couldn't feed my daughter and I was like, this is not the life that I had led, uh, that I had anticipated leading. I was an honor student in high school. I competed in public speaking. I traveled to Germany as an exchange student. I was a beauty queen. I was just like all these things and um, in high school. And I was like, what the heck happened? And it was the moment that I couldn't feed my daughter because um, she wanted lunch and I had a single can of soup, tomato soup in my cupboard and she hated it because um, it burned her mouth. And uh, I remember, and I'm not proud of this, but I remember practically shoving her little body into the cupboard to show her that I had nothing left to feed her. And it was then that I was like, I have to renegotiate with myself. I need, I need a different life. And so I went to a community college, which is a two-year school in the United States. And I earned a 4.0, um, a perfect GPA. And I got a scholarship to one of the best engineering schools in the United States. And uh, which was pretty remarkable because when I'd gone back to community college, I'd started at remedial math. I literally went back to multiplication and division um, it, and, and worked my way up into, you know, calculus and uh, linear algebra. And uh, I, when I got to my engineering, my fourth year school, I realized it was going to be easier on my own than it was going to be with my husband at the time. And so I left him and um, I had to learn how to ask for the things that I not just needed in life, but that I wanted in life. And, um, and so once I started doing that, it opened up a completely different world for me, which has led me to, you know, negotiating, you know, my largest deal is a $2.4 billion transaction. I've negotiated billions of dollars worth of deals across the globe. I've worked in over 50 countries, negotiated with half the fortune, um, 63 of the fortune 100 of this year's fortune 100 and almost half the fortune 500. And, but because I'm that little country girl, I have always had this soft spot for small businesses. And in the United States, this last year, over 90, it was reported that over 90% of small businesses fail. And so I'm on a mission to reduce business failure rates because my experience is that the first time that I went to a welfare office to get public assistance and people asked me, what do you want to do? I said, I'm going to go to Harvard. And they laughed at me. And, you know, 13 years later, I got my MBA from Harvard University. And the thing that I see with small businesses is that when people sit, start small businesses, 
the same thing that happened at the welfare office is the same thing that happens for business, for entrepreneurs. People laugh at us. They tell us that we're crazy, that our ideas will never happen. That's a terrible idea. Um, you're, you're wasting your money. You're being a terrible example to your kids. I mean, there's just all these things around it. And so we get the mental, the mental state of an entrepreneur is honestly not that far off from somebody on public assistance in certain cases. And it's a constant struggle. And I believe teaching people how to ask for more of what they want will help them to achieve the things that they are really working to achieve in their life and in their business. That's a little bit about who I am. I'm also married to the most amazing man on the planet. So, <laughs> so you're a country girl made good. I, I'm a country girl made good. I, yep. And, and I love my country roots. I, I, I live in a major, I live in Los Angeles, so I live a long way from uh, my country, country uh, things, but I do my, my, one of my things is I will have a goat farm one of these days. That is, is, (laughs) I want to move back to the country and I want, I want a cranberry gut bog and I want a goat farm. (laughs) Okay. My husband's like, what? (laughs) Do you have a timeline for this? (laughs) Um, Yeah, in the next 10 years, my kids bought me a do-it-yourself cheese maker so I could learn how to make goat cheese. (laughs) I love goat cheese. I'm there. Me too. too. I'm just pretty simple. And I I take that simplicity pretty much everywhere I go. Um, And very pragmatic. I love taking concepts and boiling it down into simple things because nothing is ever as complicated as we usually make it. And I like looking for patterns in people's behaviors and language and, you know, looking, using those patterns to find common ground where people think that none exists. And that's pretty exciting for me. And you have been um, quite busy on a number of fronts, I know. Um, But let's start with this comment that you made about you had to renegotiate with yourself Mm. about the kind of life you wanted. Um, And that's a conversation uh, we've had before, isn't it, about um, where the most important negotiation happens. And I love the way you approach that. So could you um, tell Building Brand New listeners a little bit more about that negotiation with oneself? I, I say all the time, the hardest part of any negotiation happens between our ears. And one of the thing, one of the reasons for that is that we, we've been taught to have a superficial view of what we want. And not only is it a superficial view of what we want, it's often not even our view of what we want. We are told by, you know, people close to us, by society, by our peers, about what we, what we should want, what we should be doing. Right. Um, I see it. I do. I mentor a, a lot of young people across the country and across the world, actually. And it's something that we talk about in um, one of my favorite career psychologists is out of Harvard. And he told me many, many years ago that in reality, most of us know what we love to do by the time we are 16 years old. The problem is that neither we nor any of the adults around us have a language 
that allows us to describe it very effectively. So what happens is we go into buckets, like we go in, oh, you're good at math. You should be an engineer or a scientist or a doctor. You're good at, you know, and, you know, and, and not many people say, not many parents say to their kids, oh, you should go be a starving artist or you should go be an artist, right? You know, not many people say that to their kids, right? Or, you know, or they'll say, oh, you're so nice. You should go be a teacher. You know, it's like we put people in these big buckets, but if you really peel things back and you go, what is it that I love? What is, what is it that is important to me and what do I want? Right. And we dig deeper into that. I do an exercise in, in my program where we actually do that. We actually like not, who are you? right? Literally, who are you? And people kind of start at this, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a woman from Montana, you know, and they, they kind of, but then it's like, if you keep going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper with it, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm a woman who's incredibly good at seeing patterns that nobody else sees. How can I do something? And I like doing that right? How can I make something out of that? Right. And so, you know, so part of it is getting quiet in our own heads. The greatest gift my husband ever, and my husband, I've been married for 28, almost 28 and a half years now. He's, he's a, he's very much of an introvert. And I used to be this huge extrovert. And now I'm an introvert. I'm kind of a mid-sized introvert because my husband, the greatest gift he ever has given me was teaching me how to love the silence, how to find peace in the silence and, and let my mind kind of go wherever it goes until it kind of quiets down. And then I can hear just amazing things. Cause you know, I'm a smart person and I am a very passionate person and, you know, I have great ideas and but sometimes I just don't, don't listen. And when we're negotiating, we don't, we don't give ourselves the opportunity to think about what is it really that we want? Most people go, Oh, well, what's the price of something? It's like, yeah, that's not usually the driver. It's there's usually four or five other things that are driving a decision to move forward in a relationship that has nothing to do with dollars or, or pounds. No pounds. Yes. Thank you. Thank exactly. you for covering um, my local listeners here in London. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that's really, um, really interesting that you talk about, you know, it's it, there, there are a number of different things we're actually looking for in a negotiation. But and it's not just about our business negotiations either. If you think about, you know, we were just talking about how we met and that we, there was just this connection and all of that sort of thing. We could probably sit back and articulate what were the certain things in that connection that drew us to each other? And there, you know, it's almost like there's some values or, or, or something, some energy that draws us mm. to certain things and, and not others. Um, and tapping into that, I think that, that, um, that example you gave of, you know, we don't have the language to articulate exactly what it is we're good at and maybe nor does the system and the infrastructure around us allow us to explore what that is and how mm. how to create um, a life and a and a and a business and a way we earn money on the things we absolutely love to do, absolutely I, love to do. I agree with that. Um, one of my mentors, um, his name is Blair Dunkley, and he he talks a lot about naming and labeling. 
And until we can name and label things, then we cannot articulate them. And then we're, we're not only are we expecting our counterparts to guess what we, <laughs> to read our minds, we don't, we can't even articulate it. One of the things that I do a lot is name and label things. You know, how do I feel about something? Oh, let me sit with that. I mean, when I got the book published, my editor sent me the cover art and she was so excited about it. And she's like, what do you think? What do you think? And I got, I was upset about it. And I'm like, what the heck am I upset about? Because it's dead on point on my brand, right? It is on brand. It's like, it, it looks great, all these things. And so she's like sending me like, what do you think? What do you think? And I said, I'm surprised. I'm feeling not good about it. And I don't know what's causing that. So I'm going to wait and not react to it. And I'm going to go sit with this and I'm going to explore it. I'm going to get curious about why I'm feeling what's driving my emotions in this way. And I'll come back to you and let you know what the, what the deal is. Right. And so I did that. And, you know, the book cover is similar to the cover art for my podcast, which was designed by a different person. So the book cover person used the podcast art as the foundation of the book cover, which is fine. We hadn't really discussed that. I still use that designer. So I was upset because I live in Hollywood where artists' rights is a big issue. And I wanted to make sure that he got credit for being the starting point for the cover of the book. And so once I had a conversation with him, the issue was resolved and it was done. But if I had not sat and thought about that and hadn't named it to my editor and said, I'm not feeling good about this. I need to go explore this and get curious with it. It could have, it, most people would have just went, I don't like it. And maybe ran through like five or 10 reasons why they didn't like it versus saying, what about it? Do I not like, and what's driving that, right? That level of curiosity you have to get curious about you, your counterpart, and the situation you're negotiating, which people don't spend enough time being curious about themselves. Um, they just kind of go through the motions. So who are you and get curious about you and how you react and what moves you in certain ways and then name and label it because it will open up massive amount of doors for you when you do that. And, and I think labeling it, naming it, and then really embracing and celebrating it. So one of the things that um, I have really owned since becoming an entrepreneur is one of my favorite things to do ever is connect people. I'm, I'm actually uh, an introvert and I need a lot of alone time. But when I'm out, I love that opportunity to connect people. And nothing makes me happier than meeting somebody, hearing their story and kind of going, oh, I know someone who might be able to help you with that. Do you want me to put you in touch with them? Can I connect you? Mm-hmm. Um, and just this morning, I was at a local school. Um, uh, I was a governor there. And 18 months ago, I uh, introduced them to a contact I had at the British Council. And she was saying to me today, um, you know, you know, I've been at this conference in Lebanon for the for the last week or whatever it is. And I said, yeah, yeah, that looked amazing. She said, you know, that started from that one introduction you made 18 months ago. And she said, it's so rare you can take it back to that. But I felt such joy in being able to do that 
for her and to be able to articulate that and embrace that about myself mm. and in front of people when they say oh that's you know that's great that'd be great I get like visually excited I kind of go oh, excellent connecting <laughs> people is my favorite thing to do so it's kind of like a celebration of mm. of those things that move you and excite you isn't it and I I think there's a lovely when you talk about being curious and uh let's segue a little bit into into the book the the book is called why not ask? And there, there's something about that is why not ask about yourself? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, when I started negotiating with myself, when I was, you know, single mom, three kids, my kids were what, three, four, and five when I did that, right? I, it's like, I, ha I had to start figuring some things out and I was, you know, 25, 26, 25. And I had to start figuring some things out about who the heck am I? And it's like doing that when you've got a bunch of little kids, I mean, 25 is young anyway, but doing it when you've got three kids, you know, all like within three years of each other is, is a challenging thing. And so the way that I did that was I used, I used others um, I surrounded myself with people who believed in me when I didn't believe in myself enough. Um, but I dissected what people said. I listened to what they said, but I evaluated. I didn't. So just because somebody gave me a piece of, you know, said, Christine, stop doing this, or you should do more of this or all that doesn't mean that I went out and did it. It's like, all right, let's get evaluative about it. Let's assess it. Right is what they're suggesting I do effective or not, right? Um, I had a woman come up to me just last week and she said to me, she said, Christine, you know, I think that you struggle to, um, or you might have a, you, you'd sell, you'd sell better from stage if you were warmer and came across less capable. And I was like, okay. And so she had, she's seen me like, kind of, she's been at two, two events that I spoke at and she's not like sat and listened to me speak the whole time. But at one of the events she was at, another woman reached out to me on Facebook and said, Christine, I'm in the area. I was in Atlanta. I'm in the Atlanta area. Would you, if I came and brought a copy of the, I bought your book and I would love to have you autograph my, my copy. Would you, would you do that? And I said, sure. She said, great. And so she showed up late in the afternoon. Turns out she borrowed somebody's car because her car was in the shop and she drove round trip 170 miles just to spend 10 minutes with me to, so I could sign her book and have a short conversation. So I have two data points. I have this woman who says, oh, and she's like, oh my God, you're so amazing. I love you. You just like speak to me, et cetera. So I have two external data points. One that says I'm not warm and not approachable. And then somebody who actually took action and drove 170 miles so I could sign their book and spend 10 minutes with her. I'll take that, that second one as externally verifiable information that says, okay, then you know, maybe to this woman, I'm not warm or not. I don't meet her needs, but I meet this other person's needs. I'm not going to meet everybody's needs. Not everybody's going to like me. What am, how much am I willing to change based on the first person's opinion versus how much am I willing to retain based on the second person's actions? And mm -hmm. so that's, that's one of the, and I, and I use that metric to discern even in the middle of a negotiation. 
So a couple of weeks ago, I had a guy on, on, I was negotiating a deal, deal with a guy. He made a couple of incredibly inflammatory, misogynistic statements that were very offensive. And I could react, you know, because, you know, I consider being offended to be an emotion. So I could have reacted to that and gotten upset about it. But instead, I said to him, can I ask you a question? Of course. What reaction were you hoping to achieve by making that statement? What, 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 what do you mean? What do you mean? I said, what reaction were you hoping? I said, it was an inflammatory statement. What reaction were you hoping to, that to get out of me? Right. And it, by naming and labeling that by using that same level of discernment in the middle of a negotiation, instead of that derailing the negotiation, instead of my losing personal power in that conversation, I actually gained personal power because, you know, it was because I was able to turn the tables on that and say, I, I'm watching you. I've got, I've, I'm, I'm paying attention to what you're doing and that, that kind of approach is not going to be effective here. So you might want to find a different tact, right. And different way of doing it. So having that level of discernment about yourself and that level of curiosity about how you react in different situations is really incredibly powerful and not something very many people pay attention to. I absolutely agree. There's a fantastic quote by um, the Holocaust survivor, Viktor Frankl. And I, I think I'm going to, just going to say I'm paraphrasing this in case I don't get it completely right. Um, but what he talks about is the power to choose lies between the stimulus and the response. Mm. And that's what I hear you talking about there. There's a stimulus of him saying what he said and there's a response but the gap in there is where you tapped into your self-awareness your your curiosity about what he said and and potentially your reaction and what might have happened there and just that moment of pause gives you the power to choose um now we might not all choose the same thing all the time but there's power in saying i choose this I choose mm. to respond in this way when when we can master that that muscle, I guess, when we can build that muscle because it is a muscle that needs to be built. You know, I always say um, the first pe- the first power is in noticing, just in paying attention. So you talked about it earlier about the cover of Why Not Ask and that you had a reaction to it mm-hmm. and it was that you noticed you had a reaction um, yes. and, and, and sort of, went, oh, okay, that is interesting. Let me just explore that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that gap is just so powerful. And what it sounds like is that we could we could all do a lot more of that when we're um, negotiating anywhere. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that, that I, um, I'm going to go find the exact quote, Victor Frankl quote, because yeah, yes, that's just, please. you just gave me goosebumps that I, I love, I love that. And yes, that's exactly Right. I have a a mentor named Jason Campbell, who's a musician, and he talks about um, he talks about one of the conversations he and I have had is around listening. But it's the same thing. It's listening is in the gap. It's in that space. It's in the gap between the notes and the space between the notes where where the biggest sound happens. And are you listening for that, that sound in between 
the note that gets as it gets hit. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's that same concept. And I, that's like hugely powerful. I love that. It, mm-hmm. Yeah. That gave me goosebumps. Excellent. My job here is done. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's just segue a little bit, switch over a little bit to uh, the Venn Masters program. Mm. I know that, you know, you've had lots and lots of experience, as you said, um, as a global negotiation expert, you've negotiated with the top companies all over the world, but you have a passion for small business. And we were particularly talking about the Venn Masters program as not targeting perhaps the traditional audience that a negotiation program would. So tell Building Brand New listeners a little bit about Venn Masters and what that's all about. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the most amazing things on the planet is that I got to, for me, is that I was honored to be able to go to Harvard Business School. And I learned, I studied with just some of the giants of industry. And some of those those giants were the the fathers of negotiation as a as a, a, an academic discipline. Um, the authors of getting to yes, getting past no, um, the Harvard program on negotiation, all of that kind of stuff. But even when I was in my negotiation classes, I would go and have spirited conversation <laughs> with my instructors. I can't imagine that, Krista. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, because I felt like there were things that were missing. They'd like give you a case and you'd go and you'd, you know, do your thing, but you really weren't learning about you as a negotiator. You're just learning, you know, how to game a system and how to play a role and play act. And then as I started working in large companies, I saw, you know, they've got people who, to be honest, for every small business owner out there, big companies don't have this figured out either. So don't, don't fret, but, um, they, but they have an advantage because they will make investments in teaching their procurement people or their salespeople or their customer service people or their lawyers or all the, any, any group that's, you know, negotiating, including HR, right? They'll teach them, they'll invest in teaching in having negotiation training. And then they always have somebody who's very good at it. There are people in big organizations who are exceptional at it. McKinsey just released a study this, this, this summer that said that in the next three to five years, 73% of major corporations are going to add a new C-suite position. And that position is called the chief negotiation officer. And they will be in charge of a negotiation center of excellence. So they are looking for like people like me to come in and run these negotiation centers, SWAT teams. And every major deal, every important deal is going to go through this. Plus, they're also starting to deploy artificial intelligence into their into their contract management systems. Walmart announced also this summer that they're going to be using AI to negotiate what are called long tail contracts, which are auto renew contracts, small dollar numbers that renew in perpetuity, which predominantly are serviced by smaller businesses. So big companies have all these resources. They have specialties. Uh, Everyone is a specialist. They have access to training, um, all of these things. And small business doesn't have any of that. So in the last company I worked with, it was about a $100 million business. So still qualifies in the United States. It qualifies as a a small 
company. And we negotiated, we, we were negotiating with major corporations, Boeing, BT, um, Johnson & Johnson, all the major banks, all the major telecommunication companies, major consumer packaged goods companies. And a lot of them would slide their, their agreements across the table and say, we don't negotiate with companies like yours. And I'm like, that's not how this is going to work. <laughs> and so... So, and it was a tech company, but that was the attitude. And so when I left that organization, well, even when I was at that company, I told everyone, I was like, I'm going to start a business that brings negotiation to smaller, mid-sized companies that helps them elevate their, their negotiation skills and level the playing field. And a part of that, I want to teach people how I want to take all these years of experience that I have working for all these big companies. And I want to show you, Mr. and Ms. Business Owner, I want to show you how they play this game because I want you to be winning more, to be achieving more of what you are trying to do. If you're entering into an agreement with Walmart, there is a way to negotiate with Walmart where you don't lose your shirt. If you are negotiating with, you know, a Lloyd's, if you're negotiating with a major tech company, there are things you can do to, to maintain your position and ensure your profitability because a lot of small businesses will do these big accounts and they sacrifice profitability and they sacrifice their soul um, in exchange for getting this, these big accounts. And, and those big guys are saying, oh, just sign it. Everyone signs it. I'm like, yeah, of course they're telling you that, but you don't have to buy that. They're talking to you for a reason. There's something they want from you. There's something of value that you have that they want or need. How do you, how do you build, use that to build your case? And so Venn Masters, it actually takes, we use case studies. We use the Harvard cases. But it it it's a different approach than what that than what Harvard teaches. It's a different approach than any of the major um, universities and MBA programs teaches. We use film and literature and music as ways of helping people internalize what negotiation is and how to be more effective at it. I, I'm having so much fun teaching it. It's, it's just such a fun program. And the feedback I'm getting is just really amazing, which that feels really good. It is an, an extraordinary privilege, isn't it? When you identify something that you have that you take out to the world and all of a sudden you go, oh, people really like this. People are getting so much from this. I can see that I make a I make a difference. And I think you and I had the same passion about small to mid-sized businesses. Mine uh, was about marketing and strategy and branding. Mm -hmm. And it was that whole thing about saying you do not have to have big budgets and all these resources to have really effective branding and marketing strategies. So that's where I started. Um, and then that morphed into building brand you, which is similar to the sort of the way we started this conversation about it's about what goes on inside your head. And you start with self and then you start to, to build out brand you, not just a brand, but who you are and mm -hmm. what you want and what you stand for. It's probably why we clicked when we met. <laughs> yeah. And you're also a strong, badass woman. So that's another reason too. Okay. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. I'll take that branding proposition. <laughs> 
Oh, dear. And you've also got the podcast, The Ven Zone. So The Ven is everywhere. The Ven is everywhere. And, you know, I, when I was thinking about, I mean, from a branding perspective, right, when I was thinking about how to, not just what do I, what do I know about negotiation, but how do I feel about negotiation? How do I want people to, to think about it and feel about it? And the Venn diagram was like the easiest thing for me, the visual depiction of what negotiation is. Um, because agreement happens at the intersection of you, the, your counterpart, and the situation you're negotiating. And it ha- and without all three of those things, you you have, you know, you, you have dis- disconnection and you don't have agreement. And um, so the Venn is indeed everywhere. It also is a play, the Venn zone. So Harvard has a term called the zone of possible agreement, which is where the intersection between those three circles exists. So they call it the zone of possible agreement. We call it the Venn zone. I'm I'm sure the Harvard version is lovely, but I do quite like the Venn zone. And I love that how you you just talked about the Venn diagram and uh, because I've, you know, I've seen that on your logo and but we've never really talked about mm-hmm. why Venn, why why is it Venn negotiation and what's the the, the symbolism, I guess, mm-hmm. of that, yep. that logo for you. Um, and I love that story. Absolutely love it. It's at the intersection of you, the other party, and the situation, the circumstances. Love yep. it. Love it. Yep. And, and you also speak on stages. I mean, you know, do you have time for anything else? I'm surprised you've even found an hour to be here with, with me today. <laughs> I love, I was so excited because I like to, I set usually three major objectives for the year and uh, I hit all of them by August this year. And so my husband's like, oh, so are you almost, are you like done for the year? And I'm like, heck no. no. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I love speaking. It's, it's something that I, it's, it's, I often ask people what got you through high school, right? And public speaking got me through high school. Mm-hmm. I competed in public speaking and I just have always loved speaking. So I'm always looking to, to speak on stages about, you know, topic of negotiation and how to build strong business relationships. And so I look forward to that. I actually, as I said, I'm going to be in London um, in at the, on the 2nd and 3rd of March and speaking at the White Label Expo there. And so I'm super excited about that. And uh, I'm, yeah, I speak a lot. I have so many events coming up between now and just before Christmas, it's kind of crazy, but yeah. I love but it. You've got a huge smile on your face, listeners. If you could see her, she's yeah. just beaming like there is <laughs> there is happiness and joy everywhere yeah. happening here. I wonder, you know, you you talked about that that public speaking that got you through through high school and and yeah. that stayed with you. What do you think are the key elements of public speaking that perhaps have underpinned where you've ended up in life or in your career or in what you're mm. doing now? I have to say, so I think Warren Buffett and I share, absolutely share this in common. Like he, the only degree or the only um, certificate, educational certificate he has on his wall is his completion certificate from his Dale Carnegie public speaking course, which I have also taken and which is a phenomenal program. Public speaking, it's like, it's been everything everything from, you know, how do I 
how do I influence people to get things done that I'm trying to get done that I'm responsible for? How do I influence a team? How do I motivate? How do I inspire? How do I sell? How, how do it's, it's literally to me, the most critical skill. And it is the thing that I am, I am so grateful that I had the opportunity in my tiny little community of 550 people to do public speaking and compete in it. And it, yeah, it, cause it has, it has taken me everywhere. I mean, even, even when I was in community college, I mean, after I graduated and I went to my four-year school, they invited me to come back and speak. I've spoken at conferences all over the world. I've spoken in front of huge audiences and I just, it's just, I think the thing that I like so much about it is that it's not about me as the speaker. I love speaking, but it's really about the audience. And it's such a wonderfully intimate way to connect with people. And I like being vulnerable on stage and I like having fun because I'm actually, I can be kind of funny. And, um, and so (laughs) I can be kind of funny at times, um, you know, and it's just, and I have my funky hair and I like surprise people and I just have fun with it and uh, I draw off the energy from it. It's uh, it's super powerful. Very, wow. very powerful. Yeah. So. Yeah. And why, uh, why would you recommend, I ask this question to everybody, so it's not just specific to you. So why should people invest in building their negotiation skills or the negotiation muscle Versus all of the other things we can invest time and money in, in terms of building brand new. Well, in my experience, if you don't know what you're asking for and you don't know how to ask for it, or you ask for it incorrectly, then you're not going to achieve what you're trying to achieve. So for me, the ask is the most basic, fundamental of everything. And most of us don't know what to ask for or how to ask for it in a way that we consistently get it, right? And so if you, have a, if you, if you don't have that part figured out, and if you're not willing to invest in that fundamental part, then all the other stuff, you're not going to realize the, um, as much out of it as you want if you don't have that underlying, underlying fundamental piece of how to ask figured out. So we've talked a little bit already about what's coming up for you. You're coming to London, you're going to speak here and hopefully we're going to catch up in person. Like really, we might even try and get a selfie together. So look at on social media. So you've got a, is there anything specific coming up for you? You sound super busy and I know the book's quite, quite new. Is there anything in particular that's coming up for you in the, in the next few months of the new year? So we're actually already halfway through writing a second book. Yeah. So the second book will be released um, the first half of 2022 and it's called how you ask matters, turning negotiation styles into strategies. And so we touch a little bit on negotiation styles. We have in the, in why not ask, we have a little bit of a preview of what the, how you ask matters, um, is going to be like. So we're working on that. I'm creating a second level to Ven Masters, a more advanced level of Ven Masters. And and then we're going to live so we're going to, we're going to be starting to do more live events 
uh, this next year. When the pandemic hit, people were like, well, how do I deal with the negotiation on, on Zoom? And I'm like, I have until September this year, I hadn't traveled specifically to negotiate in 20 years because big companies have distributed negotiation teams. So we did it all over conference call and video when, as it started getting available, but how you negotiate on zoom is different than how you negotiate in person. And in person, people have more of a safety concern. There's more ability to be intimidated or to intimidate. And how do you manage kind of the, the physical being physically present excuse me, with somebody versus being on Zoom, which is a great equalizer. And we are all the same height on Zoom. So. <laughs> Very good point. <laughs> yep. So we're going to be adding some, so we're going to be doing some live, live events um, this next year. So I'm super excited about that. I can't oh, wait. Excellent. We have been chatting for about 45 minutes now. This certainly has been a conversation about getting more, Christine. <laughs> <laughs> to quote the book. So what I'd like to do is ask you, what, what would be your, your takeaway that you'd like to leave for Building Brand New listeners today? What would be your advice or something that's really impacted you or something you'd like to leave them with to think about? So I know that the word negotiation conjures up all sorts of things for different people. Some people love it and they think it's this whole thing about winning and and others are terrified of it. But my view is out of all my years of experience, what I've learned is that negotiation is a conversation about a relationship and you cannot win a relationship, but you can get more value out of it. And so when you're thinking about your, your, whether it's business relationships or personal relationships, but specifically your business relationships, think about this is a conversation, right? This is about conversation about what is working for you or what works for you and what works for your counterpart. Also, what isn't working, right? And so when you think about negotiation as simply that conversation about how your relationship is going, it frees you up to talk about a lot of different things and makes it a lot easier to have that dialogue than to go into it going, oh my God, I got to have a negotiation and I'm either going to annihilate you or I'm going to get run over. Right. And so I would just, that's, that's my big thing is just stop trying to win your negotiations and look at them as how are, how am I going to build an effective relationship with this person, with this organization? Perfect. What a lovely note to end on. And if people are interested in getting in touch with you or finding out more about the book, the podcast, the uh, Ven Masters program where you're speaking, I mean, we'll put all the links in the show notes, obviously, but how, what's the best way to uh, reach out and find out more? Absolutely. My website, our website is Ven, V-E-N-N, negotiation.com. And uh, it is weird because it's got three N's. So it looks a little odd, but vennegotiation.com. And please hook up on LinkedIn. I am like, I love LinkedIn. I've been a member of LinkedIn since LinkedIn started. So um, definitely connect with me on, on LinkedIn. Um, but if you go, if you go to the website at vennegotiation.com, um, you can take a quiz and learn what your default negotiation style is. So 
Well, Christine, once again, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here. Um, it's been a fantastic conversation. Um, I've really enjoyed it. And um, I think there's been so many nuggets in there for Building Brandy listeners. So thank you for your generosity and your beautiful spirit and for being on the show. Well, thank you very much. It's such an honor to be here and you are just doing some amazing things and I just love watching everything that you're building. So, so excited to have you in my sphere of amazing people. Thank you. And listeners, thanks for tuning in. I'll speak to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Building Brand New Podcast. I'm Kim Hamer, And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts Connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And for all the latest news and tips, become a member of the brand new Building Brand New Facebook group. I help people to accelerate their success by unlocking their greatest asset. If you'd like to find out more, please book in for a free 20-minute coaching call at calendly.com forward slash Kim Hamer forward slash BBY chat. Accelerate your results by unlocking your greatest asset, you.